December 17th, 2020. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message. We're going to be doing four stories for you. Um, but before I do anything today, I got a bit of good news this morning. I'm in a good mood and I want to share a little something with you. Uh, before we show you the pictures, for those of you that read my book and uh, have been watching this show for, for quite some time, I've mentioned this a few times on the show before, but just a handful of times, maybe three or four times, that's it. Um, although I do write about it. Uh, pretty extensively and don't burn this book. When I sort of came out politically, which was starting about five years ago right now, it was about the winter of 2015, uh, when I started talking about like sort of how crazy the left was going and that they were no longer adhering to liberal principles and what was happening on college campuses and why are we, you know, me at the time, why are we the leftists, the ones that are canceling everybody and calling everyone bigots and racists and why aren't we arguing and using logic and reason and all of that stuff, uh, two things happened at the same time. On one hand, I started getting all these new fans and I felt like I was saying something important and relevant and it was something that sort of everyone's talking about now, but I happened to be one of the first guys talking about it and I was getting all this love and that was great and our views were going up and all good stuff there. Uh, but the counter to that, and which in many ways was worse than, than the good stuff, which, you know, sort of uh, almost like ate the good stuff, uh, was that I was getting an incredible amount of hate. So suddenly like the unending Twitter mobs and you know, former friends and former colleagues of mine telling me that I was a racist and a bigot and a Nazi and all of this stuff. And I never expected that. Like I just thought, oh, I'm just saying what I kind of think is wrong with the left and guys, let's be liberal, let's talk about it. I'll invite you all on my shows, like let's work it out. But then I got this just unending torrent of hatred and people saying horrible things about me and hit piece after hit piece being written and I'm alt-right and I'm racist and, and all of that stuff. Well then right about now, about five years ago, I was getting my hair cut and uh, the girl who cuts my hair, Jess, is a, a good friend of mine and I was getting my hair cut and she called David over and she said, you, you know, you better look at this and she busted out the mirror so I could see the back of my head and I was missing sort of huge chunks of hair all over the place. And uh, we'll show you the picture in just a sec. Uh, basically, I developed a condition called alopecia areata, which is where your white blood cells start attacking your hair follicles. And they don't know exactly why this happens. I went for blood tests, checked. I didn't have any infectious disease or anything like that. But in essence, the, all they can chalk it up to is stress. And what I didn't realize was I was dealing with you know, a ton of stress by getting all of this hate. And I guess, and I've learned this since, that I, I kind of internalized my stress. Uh, I don't do it as much now as I used to, but I was internalizing all the stress. Long story short, um, I lost ultimately about 40% of my hair. I w ended up doing all sorts of um, experimental medications. L let's show the first picture. So this is me. This is about five years ago right now, and it got significantly worse than that. And I'm not showing you this picture for any sympathy. I, I, I don't want any virtue signal points or any of that stuff. I'm just trying to be real with you right now about something that I went through. So uh, it did get significantly worse than that. And you can see it's, it's pretty brutal and just huge chunks of hair falling out, shower, it was all over the, the sink and all that. Well, the reason I'm mentioning this today is that my, my same girl, Jess, who is a good friend of mine, uh, who now gives me illegal haircuts here in Los Angeles, she's, she's here right now in my house. Uh, she just gave me a haircut this morning and let's put up the picture from this morning. 
as of this morning, uh, I have all of my hair back. That is all my hair. Uh, I don't know why my hair looks much browner there and blacker in the other one. If you want to throw back to the other one, I have never colored my hair in any way. I give you my word, so I don't know what's going on there, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is that as of this morning, after five years of dealing with this, and I write about it pretty extensively in the book, I, I went under some pretty experimental medication that caused my body basically to break out in hives all the time, and I was hot all the time, and sweaty, and itchy, and gross, and miraculously, uh, it affected basically every part of my body except my face, although I, I looked exhausted all the time, and I had huge bags under my eyes because I couldn't really sleep. I mean, I dealt with this basically for years. It's the last couple of years that it did get better, and, uh, and I started changing my diet a little bit, doing more paleo stuff and uh, you know, trying to eat foods that are more anti-inflammatory and a whole bunch of other stuff. And anyway, as I've talked about it a little bit publicly, a lot of you guys have reached out to me about it and uh, it, it sucks, but, but you will get through it. And by the way, I'll just say one other thing on this, um, which is that you know, I've heard from a lot of other people who are now public people that when they started sort of talking about generally what was going on with the left or when they've come out politically in any way or, or said that they were Trump supporters or whatever, when they get that, that sort of just massive, crazy amount of hate that you don't expect and family members are turning on you and friends are turning on you and everything else, I know for a fact I'm not the only one that has had a weird autoimmune thing happen. I've actually heard of a couple other people that have had some version of alopecia or people that have broken out and things like, like your body is talking to you. Your body's talking to you all the time. And that, that's what I learned about this. And I, I changed some habits, eating habits and exercise habits and the rest of it. And I'm just truly like, I'm, I'm like, I can barely come up with the words for it. Like I'm just actually thrilled when I saw those side by sides. And we have some pictures when it was worse, but I can't even show them because it's actually gross. So anyway, so I'm just in a great mood today. We got four stories for you. Uh, before we get to any of that though, guys, I wanna talk about the Glint Pay card. You know what I'm talking about over here. It is a great way to get involved in the gold game using your Glint Pay card. Uh, you can make purchases. We do have the holiday season, even though they've got us under lockdown, it is the holiday season. And I hope you're gonna be buying Hanukkah gifts and Christmas gifts and all that good stuff for your friends and family. Uh, and using the Glint Pay card, you can either use gold or you can use US dollars as a regular MasterCard. You can just decide within the app what you want to pay for. So you can actually buy coffee and gifts and sneakers and sweatshirts and everything else with gold. It's a pretty great way to get into the gold game, buy and sell and trade and all that good stuff. The Glint card is issued by Sutton Bank, member FDIC, pursuant to license from MasterCard International. It's free to sign up, so go to glintpay.com slash Ruben for more info and to start purchasing gold today. That's glintpay.com slash Ruben to get your gold today. And now back to me. And by the way, you know, another thing that you can buy with your Glint Pay card is great hairspray. People always ask me, what's the deal? And uh, Oribe, I use Oribe hairspray. There you go, the fine, I think it's called the fine texturizing spray or dry texturizing spray or super fine something or other. Anywho, okay, uh, let's talk about the Democrats. They're, they're mostly insane, but to varying degrees, right? So you're gonna get your really insane people and your slightly less insane people. I'm trying to find a not insane Democrat, and I can only think of one. Her name's Tulsi Gabbard. I've had her on the show, we've become friendly. She just in the last couple of days has tried to stop um, men who transition into women from being involved in women's sports so they can't beat the crap out of women. She's being called a transphobe for that. She's also trying to get something passed in her last days as Congress, saying that you can't have abortions when the fetus can feel pain. She's being told she hates women for that. So she's basically on the way out. She's not running for Congress and she'll be done at the end of the year, uh, which leaves us with not much in the sanity department 
for Democrats these days. And AOC is already saying that it's time for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to go. And she's basically saying that the Biden appointees from the Obama era, era are, are horrible. That's her word. So there's a quote from The Intercept. Uh, she was asked about President-elect Joe Biden bringing in hawkish members of the Obama administration, as well as officials from companies like Goldman Sachs, McKinsey, uh, Goldman Sachs and McKinsey, and Ocasio-Cortez said it's horrible. So we've got some, some video, it's actually some audio, that uh, we're going to show of her in just a second. But what's interesting here is that she's now framing the Obama people as hawkish. Now, yes, Obama did all sorts of bombing in Syria, and he arrested journalists and did all kinds of stuff, but I thought he was supposed to be a progressive hero, and it's just so fascinating watching this snake now eat its tail. Uh, but let's listen in to Miss Ocasio-Cortez herself. Are you ready to say Pelosi and Schumer need to go? I mean, I, I, I think so. I mean, and the question is, like this year, for example, the hesitancy that I have is that I, I want to make sure that if we're pointing people in a direction that we have a plan. And my concern, and this I acknowledge as a failing, as something that we need to sort out, is that there isn't a plan. How do we fill that vacuum? Because if you create that vacuum, there are so many nefarious forces at play to fill that vacuum with something even worse. And so the actual <laughs> sad state of affairs is that there are folks more conservative than even they are willing to, to kind of fill that void. And so what I'm looking at right now is what steps do we take, both in structural changes, because a lot of this is not just about these two personalities, but they are also about the structural shifts that these two personalities have led in their time in leadership, the structural shifts of power in the House, uh, both in process and rule, to concentrate power in party leadership, for, of both parties, frankly, but in Democratic Party leadership, to such a degree that an individual member has far less power than they did 30, 40, 50 years ago. And so, you know, the answer is yes. The answer is we we need to, to shift power. We need to make sure that we have a transition of power in the leadership of the Democratic Party. Man, there's a chick who loves power. No, note how many times she said power. She really, really loves power. She's telling you that. She wants more power. And I don't know exactly what she's talking about, about structural stuff. It's one thing to say that these, these people, she doesn't like some of the policies that these people have. But when they talk about structural changes, it's like, are you trying to change the Constitution? You know, you might have to do amendments, and that takes a lot of votes. I know they don't like the Constitution, and they don't like doing things properly, right, going through the proper channels to make things happen. But what's fascinating about this, and, and I mean, I hate to say it, guys, I've been warning about this for a long time. The, the split in the Democratic Party has been so freaking obvious. And if you thought that the Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, the old guard, was going to have enough to stop the new crazies, the squad and the socialists and the Marxists, if you thought that somehow Biden was going to stop it, was, and Schumer and Pelosi were going to stop it, well, you got another thing coming. And OC is, AOC, AOC is putting them on alert. She's saying, we're coming for you guys. Either behave the way you want 
or we'll get you. And it, it's so funny because she's basically describing them as conservatives because what progressives do is find enemies everywhere. If you're not as progressive as me, you are now the enemy. And she, okay, we got to get rid of you guys. It doesn't matter, Nancy. Sure, you're, you're a rep in San Francisco, the most ridiculously progressive place on planet Earth, but that's not even progressive enough for us. You're old and you don't behave the way I want you to and that's why I've got to destroy you. And Chuck Schumer, of course, uh, got to take you out too. So what's interesting about this is that what silly little AOC doesn't understand is that the progressives of tomorrow will destroy her too, right? The progressives of, of 2040, as I always talk about with Obama, the progressives of 2040 are going to say, AOC, you weren't progressive enough for us because you ate meat or whatever, whatever their nonsensical thing of the day is. So they'll take her out too. So there is a silver lining to all of this. Uh, but what I think is really interesting there is, is also how she's sort of framing the Obama administration as not progressive enough, even though it was the most progressive uh, administration we've ever had in the United States. So I've got another quote from AOC that I think is really interesting. She says, the Biden administration is bringing back a lot of Obama appointees, which depending on where you are in the party may sound nice, I guess, she said. But I think what a lot of people fail to remember is that we now have a Biden administration that's bringing back a lot of Obama appointees. But when Obama was making appointments, he was bringing a lot of Clinton appointees. Boy, you know, she sort of sounds like Donald Trump there, because you know what she's talking about? She's talking about the swamp, that these administrations just bring in the same failed people time and time again. So AOC, I'm going to kind of give you a little credit there. You almost sort of get it. You almost sort of get it that people who fail stay in state government positions and they move from administration to administration making more bad decisions all the time. But what's interesting about this is Obama is going to have to lay down the law at some point. If this party is the Obama party now, if the Clinton machine is pretty much destroyed and now it's the Obama machine that's behind the Biden thing because as we've been talking about, it's obviously not 78-year-old dementia Biden's machine, right? If it's the Obama thing, he better watch out because what in essence AOC is we're coming for you too and they will come for everybody and eventually she will come for herself. So anyway, I wanted to just throw this story out there because I think you don't have to get lost in the like the political minutia of all the cabinet picks and who said what about who, but the general trend of that the destructive force that is progressive politics I think it's just something to just sort of know about in the back of your head, that they're here to destroy everything. And it's not just here to destroy the scary conservatives and right-wingers, those people that believe in the Constitution and limited government. It's that they're here to destroy their own people. They're here to burn down their own house. And it, you know, it seems to me that we should pay a little bit of attention to that. Before we get to the second story, though, I want to talk to you about Bowl and Branch, guys. What are millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents have in common. They all agree that Bowl & Branch sheets are the softest and most comfortable, pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Bowl & Branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, and carries the highest organic certification, which is why it's so soft. Because they work with family-owned mills from all over the world to expertly weave every set of Bowl & Branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship, it's quality you can feel the moment you open up the box. I have Bowl & Branch sheets, guys. They are ridiculously soft and comfortable. You have my word. And since they sell directly to you, Bowl & Branch sheets start at just 160 bucks. They're $1,000 quality for a fraction of the price. 
Plus, you can sleep on them for a month absolutely risk-free. And right now, you'll get 50 bucks off any sheet set at BowlandBranch.com with promo code RUBEN. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com, promo code RUBEN for $50 off. BowlandBranch.com, promo code RUBEN. Restrictions may apply. See BowlandBranch.com for details. And now back to me. All right. Segment two, let's talk about Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo in segment two, I would say I put this at segment two because he's the second worst governor in the United States. We, of course, have reserved that first spot for my governor here, Gavin Newsom. And uh, let's not forget, hashtag recall Gavin 2020. Let's get rid of that guy. We need 310,000 signatures and then we can get rid of that absolute abject buffoon. But number two in the worst uh, governor the worst gubernatorial guy we've got is Andrew Cuomo, and uh, we're not even going to talk about his ridiculous COVID regulations and what he's doing to businesses and telling people that chicken wings don't count as a meal, which he literally did so he could close bars. Uh, he actually now is banning the sales of Confederate flags. Now, I'm not here to defend the Confederate flag, but let's get to the quote from uh, Governor Cuomo, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, this is from the New York Post. Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill into law aimed at banning the sale of hate symbols, such as the Confederate flag or the swastika on state property, even while admitting the new edict might clash with the First Amendment and be struck down as unconstitutional. The new law, effective immediately, prohibits the sale of hate symbols on public grounds, including state and local fairs, and also severely limits their display. And let's get a quote from Andrew himself. This country faces a pervasive, growing attitude of intolerance and hate, which I have referred to in the body politic as an American cancer. Okay, so let's just be clear about this. First off, I'm fairly certain this is unconstitutional. He's even admitting it already, right? Uh, it's also a little, you know, he's, he's playing with language a little bit there because what are you saying? On state grounds. So that's, as they said, they said that, that's like state fairs that are on public grounds or something like that. But I am fairly certain that whether something's on state grounds or not, uh, that the government can't come in and tell you that you can't sell something because they don't like it. I mean, and if we're banning hate symbols, are you gonna ban the, uh, the icon? Are you gonna ban the donkey of the, the Democratic Party? Because there's an awful lot of hate there, right? Um, and who's gonna decide what we can ban and when we can ban it and the rest of this? So this type of thing, I don't even need to talk about the Confederate flag specifically here because this obviously isn't about the Confederate flag. And also, what does he really think he's accomplishing? Okay, we're gonna ban the sale of the Confederate flag, we're gonna ban the sale of swastikas. Do you think that is going to ban the ideas of racism? Do you think that that's what it's gonna do? Or perhaps, <laughs> work with me here, do you think that that actually might push those ideas more underground and then have them fester even more, right? Uh, I think that that possibly is what you would do. So this is unconstitutional, it's nonsensical, and by the way, he will only label things as hateful if they're the things that he doesn't like, right? He, is he gonna ban the Black Lives Matter logo? I mean, there's an awful lot of hate there. Is he gonna ban the Antifa logo? They're basically a domestic terrorist organization that's, that's rampaging through New York City, that's a city in his state in New York. They've basically destroyed New York City. My family has fled New York City. A lot of other people have fled New York City. You're gonna ban the Antifa symbol, the sales of Antifa stuff? I somehow doubt that, Andrew Cuomo. And Andrew Cuomo, I don't like you very much. Uh, all right, before we move on to 
Segment number three, I wanna to talk to you guys about Axon. The world in 2020 can feel like an unstable and dangerous place, but we can't live in fear. I mean, I tell you guys that all the time. Taser is giving people the confidence to protect themselves by creating life-saving defense technology. The people at Taser believe that a safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's lines of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or in your purse, yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency, emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location upon firing. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's lines of smart defense products. Call, oh, sorry, Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code Ruben. You can save 15% off now at taser.com, promo code Ruben. That's T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code Ruben. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And now back to me. All right, let's talk a little bit about the election because it is still a bit up in the air. Yes, Joe Biden has something called the office of the president-elect. It's not a real office, uh, but he does have that. And uh, according to the Electoral College at the moment, Joe Biden will be sworn in on the 20th. We shall see. I'll keep talking about what's going on in the meantime and the lawsuits and everything else. Uh, and there does still seem to be some weird stuff going on with that Dominion software, but maybe it will all add up to nothing. My, my feeling, as I've been telling you guys, is something weird is still there. It seems very strange to me that Joe Biden, who had virtually no support and didn't campaign, got 16 million more votes than the last time Barack Obama ran for president. But putting that aside, we'll talk about Obama from back in 2008, because you're not gonna believe this, guys. Back in 2008, Barack Obama was uh, worried about election fraud. This is video from MSNBC. Word from Florida that they intend to put out a mailing sort of a, of, of a campaign, I mean, an election process whereby they make up for the, uh, for the primary they had before, which was ruled out of order by the uh, Democratic National Committee and you did not campaign in. They're talking about mailing it, people mailing in their ballots. Do you trust the security, the honesty of such an election process? Well, I think we'd have to figure out uh, whether this was fraud proof. I mean, Oregon, for example, has a, a terrific mail-in system, but they've already scanned everybody's signatures who's registered to vote so that they can check to make sure that, in fact, the right people are voting. Uh, wow. So back in 2008, that's candidate, not yet president, Barack Obama, talking about we'd need to verify signatures, uh, we'd have to make sure that there's no fraud, mail-in ballots might have some issues. He's he for goes on to talk about how the states have different, uh, different levels of protection and the rest of it. So it's interesting that back then we were allowed to talk about these things, but right now in the midst of all of the weirdness that's going on with the election, why is it 
that today on CNN, you're not going to hear any election officials talk about these things, that maybe there were some problems with mail-in ballots, that maybe having signature authentication would be a good thing, and, and the litany of other issues that you see little videos about on Twitter and you see some actual journalists, they're not mainstream journalists because you can't be a real journalist if you're a mainstream journalist. We see these people talking about these things, but why aren't we talking about these things anymore? Isn't that, isn't that odd? That, that seems odd to me. By the way, it's not just Barack Obama, because in 2008 when Joe Biden, who ultimately went on to become uh, Barack Obama's vice president, when he was running in 2008, a lot of people forget, he actually ran against Obama for the nomination in the first place. He also was talking about voter fraud. We played that video yesterday. So it's very interesting. Democrats really used to talk about it and now they don't. And by the way, let me just get ahead on this one. If the situation was reversed, Republicans would be doing the exact same thing. Absolutely. Hypocrisy knows no bounds and has no party. There's just no doubt about that. But the point is that something kinda ain't right and the media only lets us talk about it from one way and that is a bit of a problem. Someone else also pointed out to me that there was a documentary on HBO earlier this year. I haven't seen it, so I'm just going off what I heard and you should check it out for yourself if you think this is interesting. But that HBO did a documentary that they put out in February or March of 2020 where they were warning everybody about fraud but it was sort of framed around, oh, Donald Trump might be the one to benefit from the fraud. But now that it seems like the fraud might have benefited somebody else, no, no, I doubt HBO is gonna be pushing that thing anymore, so it's very weird. Uh, all right, let's end on a positive note though, despite <laughs> election fraud and the rest of it. Uh, great news out of San Diego, people, just three hours south of me here in Los Angeles. A San Diego judge has ruled in favor of strip clubs remaining open. The county will stop enforcing restaurant closures for now and Adult entertainment has saved us once again. Uh, we got a quote from CBS 8. Judge Joel R. Wofiel, who previously granted a similar temporary restraining order for Cheetah's Gentleman Club and Pacer's Showgirls International, wrote in his nine-page ruling that the state of California and San Diego County have not provided evidence tying the spread of COVID-19 or lack of intensive care unit bed capacity to live entertainment or businesses with restaurant service. So to be very clear, in essence, what this judge is saying, and I like you, judge, what he's saying is, guys, there's no evidence that closing strip clubs or restaurants is causing anyone to have COVID. And by the way, he's right. There is no evidence of it. San Diego, I want you to picture San Diego, people. Google San Diego, Google weather in San Diego. Michael, can you Google weather in San Diego? Michael's from San Diego. He knows a little something about San Diego. How's the weather in San Diego today? I think it's gonna be probably pretty decent. Okay, San Diego right now, it's 60 degrees, it's sunny, it's clear skies, and as the day goes on, it's gonna get nice and warmer and warmer and warmer. Again, this is the reason that people live in SoCal. Uh, it's gonna be a high of 73, just a perfect, no humidity, none of that stuff. Just beautiful beach day as it always is in San Diego, okay? They always, there's a joke about, you know, the cushiest job in the world is to be the weatherman in San Diego. Basically what this, what this judge is saying is you guys think you can just close down businesses and destroy lives because you have this sort of amorphous idea that this virus is spreading in these places, but you have shown no evidence. And me, as a judge, it's my job to decide what 
is and isn't legal. That's what the judiciary does. That's what judges do, right? Let's just do a quick civics thing, guys. We have three branches of government. Do you know what they all do? We've got the executive, well, we've got the legislative branch. Let's do that first. They're the ones that are supposed to write the laws. So you get a bunch of Congress people and senators, they write laws. Then you've got the executive branch. You know what they do? They sign those laws into law. And then you know what the judicial branch does? It makes sure those things are legal. And then we've got a series of checks and balances to make sure that no branch gets too powerful. Now, we don't really operate this way anymore because we've given a tremendous amount of power to the executive branch to do things with the executive orders that, by the way, both sides do. Uh, but what's happening here is actually the system working. Here's a guy going, well, hey, hang on, I'm supposed to be the one to make sure that these laws are legal, that, these, that there's any sort of judicial reason that these laws can be put into place, but you guys aren't showing me any evidence that we should just destroy businesses, destroy restaurants, destroy strip clubs, which are a very important form of entertainment. And he's going ahead and saying, we're not gonna have that anymore. Well, this guy, in my opinion, at this point is a hero. We need more and more judges to stand up. We know about, I did the video a couple days ago about the sheriff in, uh, I believe it's in Ventura County, who's saying that we're not going to enforce these things. None of this diminishes the reality of COVID. I know someone that has COVID right now. She's a relatively young person, roughly my age, and she's been a little under the weather for the last couple days. We had to cancel a meeting because she wasn't feeling great. We rescheduled it for tomorrow. She's going to be okay. We know that this is a virus with a 99% recovery rate. We've decided to destroy the world and destroy everything that was once good because of it. And again, I just don't think this is about COVID anymore. I think it's about something far more nefarious, as AOC said. I use the word nefarious all the time. I think I, I, think I got that to her. Uh, I think something else is actually happening here. Uh, Anyway, I'm glad to see that some cities are fighting back, and, and my personal belief is that you should fight back however you can in your life. For example, I got an illegal haircut in my house today. Come and get me, Eric Garcetti, you dirtbag. Uh, all right, guys, uh, one more show tomorrow, and then I'm actually not doing any direct messages for the rest of the year. I'm giving my guys some extended time uh, to enjoy Christmas and enjoy the end of the year. Uh, I will be at Turning Point uh, Student Action Summit giving a talk on Monday, which as I said yesterday, it's my first public gig since th that very gig last year because these lockdowns destroyed my book tour and everything else. And I'm hoping to get back out on tour in 2021. We, we shall see if that happens, but we will post uh, that public talk, which I can't wait to do. It would just be great to just be with people again. Uh, and then I'm gonna take a little time and, and just hit the beach and not be tweeting as much. And I'll do some stuff on rubenreport.com and maybe I'll do little, little videos that we're gonna put up. And then we have some end of year stuff for you guys. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, check out part two of my interview with Abigail Schreier, uh, who wrote a really wonderful book on sort of the, the virus going across the country right now related to all of these trans issues and young girls specifically who are tra transitioning en masse and why it's become such a, such a big issue for everybody. Uh, that's all for me. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. And if you're in San Diego, get out to a strip club. Support your local strippers.